Welcome to another episode of the Talking Up Fitness Podcast. This is your host, Ty. Today, we're doing this a little bit differently. So not only am I on video, I'm by myself today. So I asked a question a number of weeks back in terms of topics that people would like to engage in, something that they had questions on, and things that just generally cause concern for people. And uh, non-expectedly, well, actually, what is that proper word? Expectedly? Whatever. Uh, I got a lot of this. So a lot of people asked about nutrition, about body composition, and how you go about tracking certain things, right? So I'm going to spend a little bit of time today talking over the uh, the basic premise of how a body composition would occur in the human body. I want to preface this by saying that this can go really deep down the rabbit hole. My goal here today is to give you a basic understanding of the terminology that typically is used, just so enough that you can um, be more uh, equipped in understanding the way that you can go about this yourself. This is not going to be an in-depth review of papers or scientific studies. For those of you who want to dig more into that aspect, I'm happy to do so. But obviously, for the purposes of this podcast, it would not be a sufficient use of time, nor do I think people will want to listen to it. Um, if I'm wrong, let me know. All right. So I'm going to start off by first saying that there's some terms I want to define and so that we are all on the same page in terms of what those things mean, right? So before we go further, I'm going to go ahead and take a little bit of time and then we'll jump into how this can actually benefit someone who's trying to make changes in the way their body looks, feels, and all of that. Okay, cool. So what is a calorie? A calorie is basically just a unit of energy. So it's how, how we measure the n number of uh, energy units that the uh, human body needs and consumes and spends, okay? So for the purposes of our discussion, I'm going to refer to a calorie just basically as a unit of energy. The energy balance, on the other hand, is just basically the, the, the balance between the energy that we take in versus the energy that we spend. So that is what we will defined as a energy balance, okay? The relationship between the energy in versus the energy out, okay? Now to the meat of the discussion, weight change. So how do we define weight change? Uh, it would not, actually it would surprise some of you that this is was a heavily debated topic and depending on the circles that you read, watch in the internet, it might actually still be a concern, right? Weight change for me, so just so we are on the same baseline level, it is the difference between calories in versus calories out. There are nuances in this equation, in this formula, but for the vast majority, and I want to say close to 100% of the people that I speak to, this is the general formula that we need to stick by. You don't need to go down the deep rabbit hole of a subreddit and like, oh, you know, this is not true. If you are consuming more calories than you are expending, absent abnormalities that we're not going to speak about in this instance, you're going to gain weight, okay? Opposed to if you are consuming less calories than you're expending, then you're going to lose weight. If you're about equilibrium, 
which is actually really hard to actually objectively measure, you're going to maintain the same weight, okay? So that's the baseline formula I'm going to go with. Weight gain is just basically a function of calories in versus calories out, okay? Now, how do we get these calories? Um, and how do we spend them, right? So that's the, the baseline question that we're trying to answer. I'm going to tackle the calories out part of the equation first. So when I speak to people and they are surprisingly shocked when I tell them these following things, right? So the human body spends energy in about four distinct buckets on a daily basis. And when I tell them that the amount of exercise that you do probably accounts for the least percentage of calorie burn in a day, their minds go like, like, yeah, it, it really does not matter. Again, for the vast majority of people that I'm speaking to, so the, the typical audience that would be listening to this, the amount of exercising that you do in a day is the least, it's the smallest bucket in, in, the, in the four buckets of energy expenditure, okay? The biggest bucket is the basal metabolic rate, so the BMR. So a lot of you have heard me speak about this, but if you have not, the BMR is just basically the the number of calories that you need for yourself to sustain life on a daily basis without doing any of the extras, right? So things like um, waking up, things like breathing, chewing. So these necessities of life that you don't even think about, they make up upwards of 70% of the daily calories that we are expending, okay? So again, a lot of people, when they hear this for the first time, they have a hard time grasping how that is the case. And um, I, I feel like the education around this is probably the most important because again, over-exercising is not the way to get the quickest results. Purely just because of math, right? Because if your BMR is 70% of your daily expenditure, you want to focus on the biggest buckets first. So when people start to realize that that is the case, we can slowly start to adjust some of the things that are important for our body composition needs, okay? So going back, around 70% is BMR. The next bucket that we typically speak of is the um, what we call the NEAT. So this is the non-exercise activity thermogenesis, right? Anyway, NEAT is just basically the things that you do on a daily basis that is not an active exercise regime, okay? What might that be? It might be moving my hands right now. It might be me twitching my eyes, um, you know, tapping the table unconsciously or shaking my legs, twitching, right? All of these things that are unconscious to your daily activities, they account for like maybe, I want to say about 10 to 15%, okay? The latest studies indicate that that is the case. Again, this is not a conscious thought. So if you're going for a walk, that is not in the bucket of neat. If you are shaking your legs unconsciously, that is, okay? So I can, again, um, for the purpose of this discussion, I'm not going to go too deep into how you increase or decrease NEAT, but there's some core cool studies that have indicated how people who severely under eat 
actually shoot themselves in the foot primarily because of uh, effects such as the natural decline of neat in the body okay but again I'll, I'll hold that off for now second bucket is neat 10 to 15 percent so bmr about 70 percent the next is what we call the thermal uh, effect of food this is essentially the effect of having to uh, break down the foods that we eat on a daily basis and turning that into energy so as you consume something the body has to break down those things into uh, units of energy that the body can actually process, which is ultimately ended up in ATP. But that takes about 10%. Um, depending on the foods that you eat, those vary, but approximately we're going to go about 10%. So the, uh, the thermal effect of food, again, the third bucket of general uh, expenditure for the human body. And now the last and final bucket and the smallest bucket is actually the activities of the day. So thoughtful activity, exercise, walking, so whatever that activity may be, only accounts for 1% to 5%. So again, for the general population, on the top end, you might have it, you may be at top uh, 5%. If you're sedentary, that may be closer to 1%. So regardless... Even if you're super active in your workouts and you're consistently working out, um, you might have heard that the the term that abs are made in the kitchen, not in the gym, uh, I think has some basis behind this because if you work out super hard and you're still consuming way too much food, um, you're probably not going to see the best results, right? So that's just kind of what we're looking at right here. So to summarize... So you notice how the biggest buckets are not um, like quote unquote into the activity aspect of things. And once we understand this, this can help us um, understand a little bit more about how um, body composition actually works in the long term. And again, I'm, I'm not for um, things that can maybe like change the scale on a short term basis because there are ways to do that. Um, most of it very unhealthy and most of it just people trying to sell you some shit that can make them money, but in the long term, do not get you the results that you're looking for, okay? So once we understand that BMR is what we need to shoot for, um, how do we even calculate that, right? So um, there's some formulas um, I can put into show notes and all of that, but basically there's a few formulas that you can calculate the BMR, one which way is our in-body machine that can do that for you. But basically, it's a mathematical formula that you can run through. You can even just Google it online. And then that'll be able to give you a baseline number that you're going to shoot for. So um, uh, once you do calculate that BMR, there's also another calculator that you can do to just kind of figure out your activity level. It'll tell you like you know how active you are, like basically what kind of profession you're in how much exercise you do, and all of that will give you what is called the activity level multiplier. It's just a formula again. So, you know, we can do all of this math, and I actually encourage all of you who are serious about body composition changes to know a baseline number of what you're trying to shoot for. And again, the in-body machine, the scans that we provide at F45Herx, it's actually a great way for you to just go about doing that. But if you didn't want to do that or if you didn't have access to it, 
um, there's plenty of online calculators that can get you started as well. Okay, so um, all of that being said, I'm going to reset and talk about the other side of the formula. So we spoke about the calories out. Now I'm going to spend a little bit of time on the calories in. But before we do that, before all of you turn off and um, uh, zone out, I want to share a little bit of a background story about why this became so interesting to me and how I continue to learn and try to improve and deliver the, the knowledge that um, obviously a lot of people are looking for. So <clears throat> um, before I got into the fitness industry, fun fact, I used to be a computer programmer and um, have been involved in computers pretty much my entire, actually probably my entire life, yeah. Um, I was very, very much the stereotypical uh, computer geek uh, hiding in the basement in the dark room with a ton of monitors. So the only light that you would see in my basement would be the, the monitor lights. The reason why I share this with you is because this was not at all what I was interested in in my younger days. It was only because of my personal journey that I've learned that how important it is to deliver and to find information that was helpful. Because all of this, although I've learned throughout time, was quite difficult to decipher, right? So there's no shortage of information on the internet. Um, depending on what you're looking to do, there's probably someone trying to sell you some stuff that can do this for you. I'm sharing my personal story primarily because I want people to know that don't spend money on <laughs> don't spend money on fat burners. Don't spend money on things that promise promise a quick term solution for your goals and for your needs. Because they do not exist. Please let that sink in. They do not exist. Okay. Calorie balance is a very simple formula that people cannot make money from. Supplements can help in supplementing the daily things that you do. They might help fill in those gaps. Those gaps need to be sustainable. Those gaps need to be reliable in terms of your understanding of what's missing, they cannot be the entire roadway and pathway to your success, okay? And that's the reason why I firmly believe that throughout my journey, throughout my learnings, I've made these mistakes. I've gone down and I've purchased whatever, like for the sake of that quick result. I've done um, all sorts of diets, and I've learned throughout this process that all diets work. Literally, every single diet works if they put you in a caloric deficit. Some of these diets work better in the beginning phases because they specifically restrict your consumption of certain macronutrients. Because of that severe restriction, you are in a caloric deficit. So remember I said all diets work as long as you're in the caloric deficit. Since they put you into a severe caloric deficit, you see weight loss very quickly in some instances, right? And then, so that 
self-fulfilling prophecy kind of occurs. You're like, oh, this diet does work and I'm going to continue doing it. And as you continue doing it, most people, they do see some results in the short term. Again, to translate that, it just means consistency and a caloric deficit. That's the bottom line. Okay. There's been numerous studies that indicate this to be the case that over 80%, 85% of diets fail. And by failing, I mean, within a framework of less than five years, most of the subjects that go on a diet, right? They gain back 100%, if not more of the previous weight. Okay. That's mostly because these diets that are prescribed or these things that people are selling you to do are not sustainable. They're not. Like if you are, if you're on a diet right now, and please listen to me if you are, if you're on a diet right now that makes you feel shitty all day long, and the only way that you're going and continuing this diet is by the fact that you feel like your weight loss is only sustained by this diet, Trust you me, in six months, in 12 months at the max, you're going to stop. Something will happen in your life that makes this diet unsustainable. And you're going to be in the percentage of people that do not sustain their results. And what's going to happen ultimately is that you will not have a, you will have a harder time the next iteration of this, right? So every time you do a crash diet, you do one of these fad things. That gives you results quickly, but then ultimately have you reverting back to your previous uh, body composition, if not worse. You actually are creating a deeper hole for yourself. The analogy I like to give is that every crash diet you have, you're digging yourself a little bit of a bigger hole. You can still climb out of that hole, right? But every time you do it, you dig a little bit deeper. You never actually replenish the hole that you climb out of. And eventually... The hole gets so deep that you need intervention in order for you to see the results that you want. Or your body gets so messed up that it requires a long-term rehab, rehabilitation in order for you to just get to baseline. And a lot of people that I help and I deal with, actually, they, you know, they demonstrate this. They, they, I see the results that they are getting, but it's so... Uh, much work in order for you to get there because they're actually filling back up the the hole that they've dug for themselves. Okay, so please, um, rather take the slower approach and have it last longer. You don't have to do it over and over and over again in that case. All right, so sorry for the tangent. We're gonna just make sure I get that out there. Um, so I'm gonna go back to the calories in aspect. Okay, um, I'm going to speak a little bit about macronutrients in terms of how the macronutrient, uh, the major macronutrients of the body and um, how each of those work in the body. Okay, so um, the fats, carbs, and proteins for the most part. Um, alcohol is another one, but we'll, we'll leave that out for now. Um, so general fats of the body, it's a macronutrient that we track. Carbohydrates and protein. Um, again, without getting to the weeds too much, um, fats are the most calorie dense with approximately nine calories per gram of fat. Carbohydrates, approximately four, um, 
uh, calories per gram. And then for the protein, again, about four um, calories per gram. If you have heard me speak about the importance of macronutrients and the importance of um, the division and the combination thereof in terms of body composition, you realize that I'm going to talk about protein first. So protein is the macronutrient in the body that um, most of us need to concern ourselves primarily with in the context of a uh, body comp change. Okay, that's primarily because, um, as we spoke a little uh, a while back, we want to increase that BMR, and the way you do that is by packing on lean um, tissue mass, so muscle mass, right? And the way you do that is by uh, doing resistance training, having proper recovery, having proper food intake, and the best way to do that is to sustain yourself with adequate protein intake. Because those are the basic building blocks, if you will, of how the body turns activity and repairs itself and then gets stronger over time. So how much protein do we need? So that's just going to be the focus of the next part of um, this discussion. Um, more than most people think they do. Right, so this all oh, again, no shortage of formulas and how much you need. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have heard the general consensus of about like one gram of protein per body, um, per pound of body weight. If you forget exactly the, the formula and all of that, I think that's a general good place to be. Um, I like to go with a little bit of a sliding scale because everybody's a little bit different, right? If you're super lean already and then you're trying to do body comp changes, your numbers won't be the same as someone who's a little bit on the higher side of body fat and trying to lose more weight. So general rule for me is that the leaner you are, the more protein you need to intake, okay? Regardless of your um, like current activity levels or anything like that, irrespective of that. Leaner you are, more protein. The more body fat you are, the more lenient you can have in the scale of the protein ranges that are going to be um, most effective for you. So for me, the formula is about 1.2 to 1.6 grams of lean body mass. Okay. Again, I took this from uh, a, a well-studied uh, meta-analysis, but again, without getting to the weeds, the formula is in place so that you can calculate your lean body mass and then you can have that sliding scale based on where you are currently in your fitness journey. Okay, so once you calculate that, that's the first macronutrient that I go with. Once you have that number, you can substitute, not substitute, sorry. You can then backfill the fats and the carbohydrates in your daily needs. And that's essentially how I calculate a a macronutrient plan for my clients or people who ask for my help in terms of their body comp changes. Okay, so, oh, and I want to say just for the record, because I know this has been a topic that's raised a, a few times as well, is a high protein diet dangerous? Okay, it's important because obviously we want to, we're doing this to be healthy, right? So, an, a very good question. And the short answer is that 
all the studies that have been done so far just do not indicate that a high protein diet is a detriment to an otherwise healthy person. Okay. If you're otherwise healthy and you're trying to get on a body comp change for yourself, weight loss, weight gain, whatever the case may be, a high protein diet has just not been shown to be detrimental to your health. Okay. So let's clear that way first, because we are advocating a higher protein diet than the the World Health Organization currently um, advises. Well, even the, the, the nutritional labels that you see on the foods, which you should be reading, what they advocate um, in, in terms of the number of grams of protein you need per day is not going to be sufficient for you to build muscle mass. Okay. So... Um, it has no bad effects on your um, blood lipids, your liver, your kidneys, stuff like that. Um, general functions that would actually indicate health. If you're a healthy person, do not worry about that, okay? Um, now I'm going to go into like some specific examples and and close off the podcast on some quick ways that you can calculate this yourself. So like how many calories you need to eat, how many grams of protein do you need, all of that. Um, we'll end off on that note, okay? So to summarize, 1.2 to about 1.6 grams per uh, lean muscle mass, per pound of lean muscle mass. So you need to calculate that based on the in-body scan or <clears throat> based on your body fat percentage. It's well worth your efforts, right? Because if your goal is important enough for you to sustain, you should know these data points about yourself. Um, a lot of different tools can offer that at this point and highly recommend you taking advantage of those. All right, so I'm gonna run into one example. Uh, I wrote this down just so that I can um, spell it off exactly. I'm gonna go slow, so if you need to pause and write this down, please do so, okay? So let's say I'm helping Sally, okay? Sally is 25 years old, female. She's five feet, four inches tall, and currently 135 pounds. What would Sally need in terms of uh, protein intake. Okay, so according to the formula that I just laid out, um, once you plug her numbers in, so we need these at least four data points, right? Age, height, uh, gender, weight, and body fat percentage. Um, a calculation gives us 1,100 LBM, okay? That gives us at, since she's on the leaner side for females, um, about one point, we're gonna have her go to 1.5 grams per pound of lean body mass, right? That's what LBM is. We'll get to about 151 grams of protein that she needs on a daily basis to sustain her body comp goals. Okay, so again, she's 25, she's 5'4", she's currently 135 at 25% body fat. So she's on the leaner side already, okay? For her, she needs about 150 grams of protein per day, which is a lot based on how I hear most people consuming their protein. Um, so second example, right? So it's like Jane is also 25, female, She's also 5'4". She's 200 pounds with 40% of body fat. Okay, In this case, she's on the higher body fat uh, scale of the uh, continuum. 
So we'll scale her down. We'll scale her down to 1.2 grams of lean body mass. That gives us about 145 grams of protein. Okay, so again, even though Sally and Jane are the same age, they're the same height, and Jane is um, at 200 and Sally's at 135 body weight, their protein intake is different. So again, the scale is important because it this helps you gauge on how many calories that you need and how many of the other macronutrients you need to backfill that um, rest of the nutrient count. Okay, <clears throat> now that we've set up the protein, which is the most important macronutrient, I'm going to run through a couple of other steps. So to finish off how you will calculate the number of fats you need and the carbohydrates you need. So general formula for me, you start with protein, then you um, satisfy the number of fats that you need because fats are important for a bunch of things in the body, hormone regulation being one of them, other things just being general health. You need sufficient uh, fats for the body to sustain properly because they're essential, okay? And then whatever calories are left, then I backfill those with carbohydrates and um, I'll go over the entire list of how that has happened so far. So step one in determining the macros for yourself, you have to estimate or find out what your BMR is, okay? So in-body machine, a scientific formula on Google that you can ask and um, they'll spit out a calculator for you to use. You apply your activity level multiplier, which again is a quick formula that you can find online, answering a couple of questions. Then you'll be able to determine the estimated number of calories that you need in, in, um, in total for the day. Okay, so again, this is an iterative process. When the first, the first guess that you make will probably not be 100% accurate. I need to stress this. Do not stress and aim for perfection your first time around. You're going to get an estimated number of calories you need at maintenance. And then you'll gauge in a couple of weeks whether or not that's actually in case. Correct. Okay. So you're going to guesstimate the maintenance calories. You're going to set up your calorie goal for your recomp. What that means is that say if you have weight loss goals, how many calories do you need to consume to lose weight? So less at maintenance, right? So I recommend no more than about a pound a week, just as a general rule. You can get more specific as you start to go along, but at the outset, a very quick rule is just no more than one to two pounds per week. This will suffice in making sure that it's sustainable and that allows you to tweak these metrics relatively uh, easily up or down based on the, the actual data points that you're seeing, okay? And then, like I said before, you calculate the number of grams based on the total number of calories that you're now trying to consume. Example, my maintenance calories currently is about uh, slightly north of 2,000 um, calories per day. Since I'm in a... Um, uh, program right now, I'm trying to gain muscle mass. I'm going to be in a slight surplus. So I'm going to eat a little bit more than my maintenance calories. So my, I'm stressing, I'm striving 
for about 200 to 300 calories in access per day now. So my calorie goals right now will be about 2,300 calories per day. Okay. Um, so with that, I will calculate the number of proteins. After I do that, I will set my fat intake at about 20 to 35% of the remaining calories, depending on how I felt. So personally, because I am trying to gain weight, I'm going to be on the higher end of that 30, uh, 20 to 35% scale. If you're trying to lose weight, I will start in the midpoint and then readjust, right? So uh, 25% is a good number to start with generally for most people. If you don't want to go through all the headaches and just want a simple thing, I'll start with that. And then the last part is just to calculate the number of carbs you need. So that's a quick way for you to measure out your your protein first, your fats second, and then backfill the carbs. Don't be afraid of carbs, okay? I know there's been a lot of diets recently. I've gone through almost all of them. Um, the keto diet, the um, uh, like the super low carb diet. Again, if that's something that you feel is sustainable, and I mean sustainable as in like the rest of your life, then please go ahead and do it. But do not do it because you feel like that's the only diet that works. Every single diet will work. My current diet works for me. I've done the keto diet before. That worked as well. I've done the South Beach diet. I've done the Atkins diet. I've done the paleo diet. I've even done the carnivore diet. All the diets work. It's just whether or not you feel like you will sustain that diet for the long term for the goals that you're looking for. And the answer is not a resounding or high probabilistic yes. You need to find another diet so that you do not dig yourself the hole that most people find themselves in when they come to speak to me. Okay. I hope this was educational. I hope this was helpful. I know it's been a long, this is like, wow, way over 30 minutes now. But, um, you know, I hope you found the information useful. If you feel like you need to rewind and take certain snippets, please make sure you do that. Uh, reach out. Uh, all my social media channels if you find additional information that you want to chat about happy to help otherwise um this is another episode of talking up fitness podcast have a great one everyone bye